This episode of Accelerate is brought to you in part by Discover.org. Looking to close four times as many deals in half the time? Discover.org's industry-leading human-verified sales intelligence gives you all of the data and insights like direct dials, org charts, planned projects, verified emails, and executive moves. You need to stop wasting time on research and spend more time talking to the right decision maker with the right message at the right time. Their team of 250-plus sales researchers do all the work so that you don't have to. 2,500 companies are already using Discover.org to win more deals. So check them out at www.discoverorg.com. That's www.discoverorg.com. It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 556. That's 556 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. And do we have a good one for you today? So joining me on this episode is Subir Chaduri. Subir is the CEO of ASI Consulting Group, and he's author of a very interesting book that I really enjoyed reading called The Difference When Good Enough Isn't Enough. And we're going to have a conversation about achieving excellence in all things that you do, whether in work or in life. And how that all begins with developing what he calls a caring mindset. And we're going to have a conversation about how do, you, how do you develop that caring mindset? What's sort of a step-by-step process you can follow for achieving that? Now, if you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 556. As before, you'll find a timestamp breakdown of this and all conversations on Accelerate there. So make sure you check that out. Now, in case you missed it at the beginning of the show, this episode is brought to you by our partner, Discover.org. The Discover.org platform is a game changer for sales, marketing, and staffing professionals. And The feature-rich sales intelligence platform is supported by 250 researchers, more than 250 researchers, who continually update contact data and provide account-specific insights to help sales and marketing teams break ahead of the pack. So see the product live at discover.org.com forward slash schedule hyphen demo. Now, I've been talking the last couple of weeks about a new report I just produced. It's based on the input of over 300 world-leading sales experts, people I interviewed right here on Accelerate, and this report is all about what you can do to amp up and accelerate your sales right now. What are the tactics you can use right now to accelerate and amp up your sales? And you might be surprised at what the experts recommend. Be the first thing you do to get your sales back on track. Now, this report is free, and you can get your copy right now if you go to accelerate.fm forward slash Accelerate, that's forward, accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get your copy right now. So let's get right into it. Subir Chaudhuri, welcome to Accelerate. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Well, my pleasure to have you. As I said, uh, really enjoyed your book. We're going to talk about that, the name of the book, The Difference When Good Enough Isn't Enough. Uh, but first, I always ask my, my guests the same question. Let's start off the show. This is a, a sales audience we talk to. And you work with a lot of different companies. Is, in your mind, what's, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales professionals today? Sales professionals. I think um, understanding the customer um, that is my professional opinion. Mm-hmm. I think um, the uh, lot of the time we wanted to make sales too quickly rather than truly understand what the customer needs are. So if they truly try to listen to the customer before they try to sell, I think they'll be much better uh, successful salesperson. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about listening uh, sure. in, in yes. the conversation because you, you make a point in your book about 
how we have a, a listening a listening crisis or a listening yes. efficiency crisis. Uh, so, yes. yeah, that would certainly certainly be reflective of that. And I, and I think that's true. I think that yeah, people are sort of so anxious to sell that they start talking before they listen. So, um, yes. all right, great. Well, let's talk about your book. Let's dive into it. So, a book called "The Difference When Good Enough Isn't Enough," and you know, I was really interested in having you on the show to talk about it because there are so many lessons in there just you know for people in general but also very very applicable to sales the listening one was was one specific and and sort of general theme as as i took is that that um you know the book is when you say good enough isn't enough is that we've sort of stopped caring about performing to our potential yes you're absolutely right so basically the way uh the book came out you know a bit this is my 15th book so, uh, as you know, my last 20 years of my career is in the area of the process improvement mm-hmm. uh, in, in the quality improvement. So I've been advising, you know, and helping all types of organizations, uh, literally, you know, some, especially some of the Fortune 100 companies. I literally saved them some of the companies like billions of dollars, literally right. billions, right, right, in process improvement. And then, you know, after doing it for almost for 15 years, I five years ago, I just hit a wall. And uh, and what is puzzling is uh, what I found is <clears throat> suppose there's a two client of the same size, two organization of the same size from the same industry. Mm-hmm. So for the sake of discussion, it can be GM or Ford in automotive industry, sure. or it can be uh, it can be Boeing and Airbus in aerospace industry. But what I found is one client is receiving <coughs> 10x return, another client is receiving 100x return. Mm, using the same process. And for the sake of discussion, suppose even they hired me, the both the organizations uh, hired me as a consultant. Right. Why, and they're using my process. Why one of the client is getting 10x return, another is getting 100x return. And that was kind of puzzled me. So initially I thought that maybe our methodologies are flawed or maybe the processes we are teaching is not robust enough. So I was kind of challenging and screaming at my team and saying that maybe we are not doing the right stuff. And then um, my colleagues are also suggesting, saying that if somebody is getting 100x, maybe it is time for you to study those organizations. So last five years before I read the like I wrote the book, literally I went out um, and understanding this organizational culture and what really stand out at the end of the day, those processes are used by the people, right? Mm-hmm. So the company which is getting the 100x return, they have, majority of their people have caring mindset. So that means they are not doing it uh, or following my process just for the sake of it, but they are doing it because they believe it can make an impact in, within their organization. The other company which is getting the 10x return they are just doing it because their boss told them to do their heart is not there so what i was you know then i was thinking about okay how can i teach the people uh majority of the people like a from the uh completely on the bottom of the organization all the way to the ceo uh, how i can teach them the human attributes that they can personally it can apply to them personally so if majority of the people can really I can turn them into a caring mindset uh, type of uh, thought process, I strongly feel that they will get a much better return on investment. They can make they can make more contribution to the organization they work for. And to be, to develop a caring mindset, uh, you don't need a stripe. You know, you anybody 
in the world at any position can make a difference. And that's what the book is all about. Well, and so, you know, raises a question is that, you know, you see it within most organizations that, that people are sort of stratified by uh, performance levels, if you will. And, right. and one of the things that probably characterizes most frequently the people that maybe on the, the bottom tiers of performance is what you call the indifferent mindset. So right. did you have success? I mean, yeah, you know, turn, course, turn you these know. people around. I mean, is it something that you would expect? <clears throat> well, yeah, more likely to get the top performers to embrace this versus the people at the bottom. So, so let me tell you, you know, in the book, as you have read, is that, um, you know, um, I talk about the four simple attributes. So what is caring mindset? So the caring mindset is I talk about the four human attributes. Right, and which, it, it is very easy to remember. It's called a star, S-T-A-R. So and it stands for straightforward, thoughtful, accountable, resolve. So if you really think about each of the word standalone, if you look at it, straightforward, thoughtful, accountable, resolve. Can anybody, any human being at any level, can they really practice these four attributes if they really wanted to? It can be. So, for an example, so let me break it down. So, well, well before you do, let's let's. I want to I want to ask one more question before you break in because so, I yeah, yeah a lot of questions about your four attributes. Is is um, I thought it'd be really useful to have you sort of illustrate by telling your toothpick story. Because I think that was a great a great story that you had in the book that yeah, really sort so, of illustrates, yeah. illustrates this concept. Of, so that everybody's sort of listening sort of gets this idea about a caring mindset. Yeah, so so for an example, like basically, the, thank you for reminding me that. But a toothpick story, like I, I was a uh, literally in a uh, one of the Fortune uh, 500 companies, uh, you know, a meeting uh, with their um, uh, vice president of quality and their uh, and is an automotive client. And their uh, JD Power report came out the night before, and they didn't do well. And we have been doing some process improvement consulting for you know two or three years within that organization. And then as soon as um, you know, it was a literally a uh, winter morning, early morning in Michigan, you know, snowing like crazy. And somehow I made it on time. You know, it was the eight eight o'clock meeting. Mm -hmm. I made it on time. And as soon as I entered to the vice president of quality's office. The first question, he he was very down and gave me a tough look. And, and he said, should we have a question for you? I said, what is it? And he said, you know, uh, what would you do uh, after you use your a toothpick? So I initially just looked at him. I said, hey, come on, man, wh what's going on? He said, no, 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 Shubir, I wanted to ask you a question. What you normally do after you use your to a toothpick? I said, do you really? What kind of question is that? Do you really, you know? <laughs> Wanted to know, and and he said, no, no, no. This is a very serious question. So I said, hey, come, come on, man. Did you have a, a meeting with your boss? You know, and he said, sure, I'll get back there. But I'm just telling you, this is a very serious issue, and we need to discuss. <laughs> so I just told him, I said, you really want an answer? He said, yes. So I said, okay. If I use a toothpick, I put it in the dustbin. So what a big deal about it? And he looked at me. He said, Shubir, I asked the same question to my uh, direct reports. I asked my secretary. And, and everybody told me this morning, they also put it in the dustbin. So I said, so? He looked at, he said, Shubir, we have a much bigger problem in our company than you can think of. And you completely missed the point of, it, by doing this process improvement, yes, are we getting results? Yes, but still our result is not good enough. So I said, so what happened? And he said, Shubir, you know, our JD Power report came out today morning at 6 a.m. in the morning, uh, I had a meeting uh, with my boss, and 
when I'm coming out and forget about the meeting discussion, when I'm coming out, I found a used toothpick on the floor. So I said, so what did, what did you do? And he said, of course, I picked it up and threw it in the dustbin. So I said, so, so what's your point? He said, my point is, if somebody, a, you know, irrespective of their position, can throw a used toothpick on the floor um, just within 20 feet outside of my, you know, um, boss's office, yeah, the CEO's, CEO's office, office, right? Office, then maybe there we may be able to find thousands of toothpicks in all of our organization. Now I know that is not about is the people's mindset. So unless we change the mindset of the people that any small matter counts, any, like they deeply care, irrespective of how much you teach your process, you will fail. And that was a big, profound moment for me and uh, not only for me, plus for him. And, and, you know, in consulting business, one of the best thing for me is very rewarding is that I learned from my clients. You know, I learned sure, sure. from different clients, right? And and they enriched me. The reason I became, and like everything you read in the book is all my client story, right? So, uh, but well, you have to have the attitude of learning every day, you well, know? Well, so, yeah, and I thought the thing that was so fascinating about that story is, you know, you think about that and also data that you had in the book showing that that we have, and at least in the U.S., based on studies, is this sort of crisis of confidence or lack of confidence in the institutions that serve us. You know, the, the police, yes. the the infrastructure you talked about, and there's just this list of of organizations that study after study has shown that that we sort of accept, you know, less than adequate <laughs> uh, service, if you will. And we accept an indifferent mindset on the on the part of the people providing that service. Yeah, yeah, in the book I talked about that, you know, Gallup poll, I talked about the only 56% of the Americans reported a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in the police department. Only 39% reported the great deal or quite a lot of confidence on the medical system, right? So, and medical system, it might be going down and down. And, you know, public school systems is only 30%. Television news is 21%. And maybe television news might be even less than 21 now. And about the Congress, that it is a as low as 6%. Well, think so, about it. Yeah, so the question I had, what's coming from that is, and I was thinking about it in the context of, of recent stories about United Airlines, it's like, why do we accept it? Why does anybody still fly United, right? I mean, yes. given that. So, I mean, I'm interested in your opinion. Why do we, why do we accept this indifferent mindset? Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, um, my feeling is that I, I kind of feel that, you know, people kind of feel that it is okay, they'll be fine, you know, and, and kind of accepting it. Nobody is protesting it or nobody is talking about it. Uh, I think it is a leadership crisis in all level, you know. So, um, and, and plus, you know, everything, and that is one of the reasons I think as a nation, America is paying the price. Um, like, think about 20 years ago when I, came in this country in 1991, is you know, almost 25 years, but um, when I came in this country, at that time versus today, I think um, in all facets of life, American um, you know, political leadership specifically um, lo- lost a lot of respect around the world, right? And, um, and I think as a, you know, we can all day long point finger to others, but my um, intent with this book that if the, every individual at any profession feel that no responsibility starts with me what can i do what you know i don't want to talk about what somebody else can do 
I just, my intent of this book is try to teach the people, hey, what can I do? So every single day when I wake up, I feel what is the one thing I can do to another human being? Um, something good, you know? Um, so it can be even a simple thank you. It can be even a, uh, you know, putting my hand to somebody saying that, hey, is there anything I can do for you? You know, so it could that be a, it type could, of gesture, you know, that kind of gesture, it makes a big difference. Well, it could be as simple as picking up a toothpick. Yes, it can I mean, be. It's, yeah, it, starts, it starts somewhere, right? So Yes, absolutely. All right, so let's jump down to your, your STAR acronym, which is the four facets of the, the caring mindset. The first one, the S, is straightforward. Yeah, straightforward is a, even the word itself is defined what the straightforward means. Basically, mm-hmm. what I'm finding is that we are, especially in the um, social media era we are living in, that we try to pretend and and doing a lot of the, you know, ourselves, we are, we are you know, portraying ourselves outside world that how great we are or how good we are. And a lot of the time, is becoming too much of good you are portraying, but under under the surface of that goodness, there's a lot of bad things, you know, and we are not surfacing it. So even if in an organization, a lot of the time I find even either the senior leadership or middle managers, they are not as straightforward to each other. So a lot of the ch- problem happen is because of not being as straightforward. So and so why that happened and the reason the dishonest, I believe the you know opposite of the straightforward is the kind of the being the dishonest or uh, deceitful or lying, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and the reason this happened, I believe, is a, a two reason. I talked about um, because of the fear, or you know, being afraid of their bosses or whatever. And another issue is the pride. A lot of the time, our ego, because we wanted right. to show off, you know. So there is a fantastic quote uh, by Randy Porsche, um, the author of the last lecture is a book called, uh, you know, and he died at the age of 52. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a, a Carnegie Mellon professor, uh, wrote a book called The Last Lecture. And his quote is, it is interesting, the secrets you decide to reveal at the end of your life. And so that means, you know, and I talked about in the book, a story about a Nick, uh, one of my clients. Uh, he right. He's a kind of a vice, you know, when I met Nick first time, um, at that time, he's a kind of a middle manager position. And I've seen over the you know ten year period, he all the way you know um, reached to the position of the chief purchasing officer, and he got to the position at any cost, and and at the human cost. So a lot of the people used to work for him. Uh, he took all the credit of their work and brought sure. them to present it in front of their bosses, or um, and if anybody protested, uh, he fired them. And a lot of the people. You know, a lot of the talented people even left the organization. And then suddenly one day um, at the age of like 51, 52, he got diagnosed with a deadly cancer. uh, And doctor told him that you have only two weeks to leave. And that was the time he called me and said, Shabir, can you teach me how to earn forgiveness? And I I was so puzzled by that. I said, this is a prideful guy. And I was so shocked by that. So I asked him, I said, what what do you mean by that? He said, Shmir, you know, doctor gave me only two weeks to leave. I'm done. And, and, uh, you know, my whole career is built in based on this, based on taking advantage of the other people and everything. Now, I don't want to die like that. I wanted to get um, a, you know, I wanted to earn their forgiveness. And I was so uh, moved by that. So I, I, so I kind of told him, I said, look, 
I don't need to teach you forgiveness. I said, only thing you can do, you reach out to those people, you think you did something wrong, all your career, you reach out to them and you just tell them, be yourself, be a straightforward to them. Tell them that you did a mistake for last 10 years or 20 years of your career and you regret, you know, you, you are sincerely regretful about it and just tell them that, you know, hey, you know, can, can I earn your forgiveness because I'll be only living for, uh, you know, two more weeks. He said, do you really think that they will take my call? Do you think that they will be, um, you know, and, and, and ultimately he survived uh, for six more months. But um, what is the amazing part is those six months of his life, what I've seen him, that what he did, I really wonder if he lead the same, same type of life, an honest and a straightforward life, like last 30 years of his life, he might have been contributed much more to his organization, right? Because right. in his funeral, uh, in his funeral, all those people, not only they forgave him, they came, they cried, and they talked about him in sincerity for the last six months of his life, right? Yeah, what? So, and that's what I'm trying to promote in this book is about that, you know, what? why not lead a straightforward life? Be honest. And, and like Cornell University, did a study, white-collar crime, white-collar crime, not blue-collar, white-collar crime estimated cost the United States, United States $300 billion annually. So I was going to say, I think that the, you know, the, key, the key takeaway I have from that, that part of the book about being straightforward is because a lot of times you have people that, that to sort of you know, take this pride in being brutally honest in a way that's, that's not very constructive and what they're missing and what you bring out, which I think is really the key part, is before you can be straightforward, before you can be honest with others, you have to be honest with yourself, much as Nick, yes. Nick and the story starts with. Is, yes. So that's really the baseline is, is you have to be incredibly pragmatic, honest, just look yourself in the mirror and make sure you're being honest with yourself. And that then can open the door to you, being straightforward in a, a meaningful way with people. So, so that was the S. The T is being thoughtful and you just talk about really being attentive to others. And this sort of gets into what we sort of talked about before is we were talking about the listening because you said, you know, two steps to becoming a, a thoughtful and attentive is one is listening to others. And you're just talking about studies that show that the average person only listens with 25% efficiency. And that's, that's pretty amazing. Right, right. And, and, and the listening, you know, and I wanted to a little bit emphasize on the listening part. Think about this way. A lot of the time, we believe that we are listening, but we are not listening because listening is also a two-step process. The thing is that, first thing is that observing it. Just shut up your mouth and just observe what's happening. And then you do the next time, what do you do? The next step would be then you try to understand what the other person is saying. Not that listening is not like, okay, you just go there and you are hearing. 99% of the time we are hearing, but we are not listening. When I'm What I'm talking about Unless you truly listen, you may not develop the thoughtfulness. So, you know, to become thoughtful, you have to listen. And then the next step is that then you can show the empathy. So, you know, and I in the thoughtful, I talked about uh, one of the story about the, you know, in the airline, you know, and this book is written before the United Airlines uh, hmm. recent incident, recent incident. That one, one elderly gentleman, like around 70, 75 years old gentleman came, you know, came to the, you know, board to the plane and he's sitting on the first row of the economy class and he just simply asked for a glass of water. And the flight attendant literally declined saying that, hey, 
flight didn't take off we normally don't uh, serve a glass of uh, like any drinks before the flight takes off and he again requested ma'am i'm very thirsty i have to walk you know so many blocks to come here can you just i'm just looking for a glass of water no other other drink no soft drink nothing and she again gave her gave him a look and then ultimately a young man sitting in the uh, business class he literally went inside poured a glass of water and gave it to that uh, the elderly gentleman now the point is and the whole you know the whole business class cabin continuously talk about this whole incident about how bad the airline services and everything now think about that part do you think that that flight attendant serving a glass of water should have been fired no answer is no but i felt that responsibility as you mentioned you know that self respect mm-hmm. the self value is so important see the most most of the time i think you know is a kind of little bit like a philosophical but it's very important that you know to develop that searching your own self you know respect and the self understanding that part and and analyzing your own self what is your own weakness what can you do to another human being if that type of mindset doesn't come in my intent to teach about thoughtfulness is not about making every reader to become mother teresa that is not my intent my intent is basically just doing the basic thing you know as a human being just if you see some trash in front of your neighbor and your neighbor is traveling and you just try to go there and try to help it out say okay i know he's you know he's traveling and nobody's in the home and now uh, you know some trash is there okay if there's anything i can do for him what is wrong with that nothing right. wrong with that well, right this is a simple thing the thing that's interesting about your story about the airline was that and i i think this is the point you're you're getting at with that was that it took so long for just one person to make that offer in business class as opposed to multiple people having made the offer to help the gentleman. Yes, yeah. in fact, I blame myself that I even blame myself why I did not immediately take that action what that young man did. You right. know what I'm saying? Like right. why he took the faster step to go there and pour the glass of water and all of us are kind of observing and that was a big lesson for me saying that no. So going forward, if I do that I need to make maybe more thoughtful and take some more action and that is one of the reason that I took that action that without even knowing it in the street of Calcutta that when I saw um, a young boy is uh, trying to search for food on the in the gutter you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and then I literally and I stopped and get out of the cab and took him to a you know it's much more like a we call it as a sweet shop but is a in is much more like a fast food restaurant type we went there and just literally told him hey you know whatever the food you you know you want you just you know i just bought that and and then i left the place but the point is that lot of the time if our oh, if we have that intent of observing what's happening surrounding us we can find so many way to contribute each of us irrespective of what's our position it can be a ceo it can be a uh assembly line worker on the on the uh, on a manufacturing facilities it can be any level can make a difference mm-hmm. all right you know. so so after so we've been to uh, uh thoughtfulness we start with being straightforward being thoughtful then the the a of the star uh, accountability being, yeah, accountability being is all about yeah accountability is all about the taking personal responsibility and mother teresa had a phenomenal quote um i in fact mentioned in the book is called the don't wait for leaders do it alone if you see a problem if you think that you know lot of the time 
I see the point fingering when there's a problem happen. Nobody thinks that, hey, this is the same organization I work for. What can I do? You know, is there anything I can do? Can I take the personal responsibility? So I even gave an example of a uh, 13-year-old girl. Think about the 13-year-old girl in, um, you know, Trisha Prabhu uh, from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she read an article that uh, in a paper, it says that, a, that it angered her because an 11-year-old Florida girl was bullied by the classmate and then committed suicide. As soon as she read it, she felt enough is enough. I'm seeing all this thing. And do you know what? No adult can help me. I wanted to solve this problem myself. So in, two, in it is in 2013, and she was 13 year old. And then she came up with a app. It's called the Rethink. Is the app is named called the Rethink. And the what the what her research have done after her research, she found out almost you know 80 to 90 percent of the time, adolescent make the decision instantly without even thinking about it. That right. what is the, you know, and that, so what the rethink does, if you have the rethink, when you are typing a bad message, it automatically tells you that within social media, it will pop up in your screen. It will say, are you sure you wanted to uh, post this message? It might hurt somebody's feeling. Immediately they stop. So guess what? After the rethink app is introduced, 93% of the adolescent who use the app decided not to post the hurtful message after they had an opportunity to rethink. So think about it. Think about <clears throat> Trisha's story. Because she saw a problem, she didn't think about saying that, you know, I had enough of, you know, seeing the bullying on my own. Mm-hmm. What can I do? And at the age of 13, she came up with this. Yeah, it's so, amazing. Amazing story when you think about it. So I think the accountability is, as I was reading it, which to me I think is really the key, is it's the accountability is really about inspiring others. Right? I mean, do your actions inspire others? I mean, if you're in sales, do your actions inspire your customers to want to do business with you? Exactly. And you like, see, the, I, I even talked about the five five things maybe your readers, like your listener can enjoy. Basically, to take an accountability, the number one thing is being aware that something needs to be done, right? Mm-hmm. Then the second point is taking the personal responsibility that, okay, it is my responsibility, not somebody else's responsibility. Then the third point is then making a choice or decision to act. A lot of the time, we take the responsibility and we don't take that action. And that is the time, you know, it, the accountability stops, you know, like, and then the fourth point is thinking deeply about the potential consequence of that choice, either positive or negative. If you act on it, what is the, before you take the action, you have to think about what is the positive impact or negative impact can have based on my work. Right. And then the third, last thing would be, anytime you try to make an accountability on anything you do, always try to have some high expectation. What I kind of feel that even in the sales part, a lot of the time, you know, um, like even as a being a consultant, that I'm continuously selling to my client, even my service, right? Mm-hmm. But when I'm selling to my service, I show the client bigger vision. I show the client even that of uh, their own pain and which they cannot even think of, right? So a lot of the time, you know, when my client hire me saying that, okay, can you save me, you know, $250 million in six months time frame? I just looked at them and said, okay, what is the, okay, suppose I save you, but 
the first question would be how much waste you have is it the 250 million dollar you wanted to really save because it will impact your bonuses because you are the ceo or objective is should be the way i'm running the business that it's not good i already bleeding this much how you can help me that in in this you know mm-hmm. i think position like that way you will be in a much better shape and then then show them their you know horizon to become much bigger then they think deeper and to come up with saying that you know what you're right maybe maybe you can uh, we can do um, much bigger than 250 million so some of this client end up with getting a 800 million dollar saving instead of a 250 million because they targeted their process rather than just some low hanging fruit you know what i'm saying yeah yeah one well, that sort of leads into the last point then which is the r which is to have resolve, resolve. and yeah. and yeah you have to have to the situation you just talked about you know you have to have determination and perseverance to to meet the challenge uh you know what to say that last client you gave the example of i talked about my own personal story when i came to the united states in 1991 uh, as soon as i landed in and one of my professor um made me a promise that if i come two weeks early uh, he will give me the you know graduate uh, assistantship uh, that will pay for my education and based on the trust i came three weeks early instead of two weeks early as soon as i walked into his office he said unfortunately is given to another student i'm sorry i said sir you cannot do that i don't have any money to <laughs> register nothing <laughs> right? right it was so tough and 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 lot of my um you know countrymen and lot of the people at that time you know students they tried to comfort me they tried to tell me to become work illegally and all these things and i you know and i and this is think about it it's just like landing in america on the first day you know this is the thing i faced and what i did i collect myself then i thought you know what i'm going to hit every single department and and i just landed in america think about that i went to every single department english department journalism department and i have an engineering degree right to and ultimately after getting rejection of 20 or 20 you know i think 21 department rejection on the 22nd one i knocked the door mathematics department chair and he gave me a chance and ultimately i end up with he introduced me the professor and I, everything and then ultimately i end up with getting a full fellowship and my whole uh, education it paid for by dow chemical uh, fellowship and and i did research in uh, polymer science even though i came over here to do my graduate degree in industrial management sure so you know and and the and the point over there is that those two weeks is is i didn't give up i just have a result saying that no i came to america for a purpose to get a graduate degree and i'm not going to stop by one one denial and i didn't give up so and and i kind of gave as a personal stories but it it in a, every single book i've written um you know there's a lot of rejections and even from sure. that i take that as an exception you know what i'm saying like i didn't take that you know so if you have that once you have the resolve um that you wanted to achieve whatever you wanted to achieve it can be achievable excellent good well shabir we're, we're out of time unfortunately i'd love to keep on talking but um tell folks how they can find out more about you what you do your books and connect with you 
Right. My books are readily available in Amazon or in um, or also even if you Google my name, uh, Shubir Chowdhury, or if you uh, go to shubirchowdhury.com, you have my email address and everything. And it is basically my Twitter account is at Shubir Chowdhury. You can tweet me or um, you can connect me with the LinkedIn or any of the social media. I'm very present. Uh, plus, my book is pretty much available in all bookstores as well as in um, uh, in Amazon. And the book recently made it to the uh, USA Today bestseller list, as well as in, uh, it also became the national bestseller in India as well. Excellent. Uh, so it, it it was doing very good. So and and any listener listening to your show that can reach me out by simple email or tweet, uh, I'm readily available. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, and you can find uh, I said contact information that he Subir just gave. We'll have on the show notes page for the website on the website, so you can uh, double check there. So Subir, thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for and, hosting. And friends, thank you very much for spending this time with us today. Remember, join us again tomorrow for another fantastic episode of Accelerate. Until then, if you get a chance, really appreciate it. If you get a chance, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, uh, leave us a brief review. We really want to hear from you. So again, thanks for joining me. Till next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 